2: As a loyal listener of the show, we'd like to reward you with just that, free beer. Thanks to our friends at beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight free exclusive craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to beer52.com slash city and cover just 4 95 for the postage.
1: Welcome to the Man City Show, it's Nigel Rothman back in the chair... And after this week's derby, Manchester City have dropped 16 points in 16 games. The same number of points lost in the whole campaign last year. We're now 14 points behind Liverpool. No side has ever gone on to win the Premier League from 14 points behind. Although, having said that, Liverpool have been top at Christmas five times in the past 26 years and never won the title. We'll need to touch on racism, VAR and maybe even Pep's future. Surely not. To discuss that, I've got three downhearted, disappointed, and miserable City fans. Welcome to downhearted Stato Paul Demby. Hi there. Disappointed Steve Cox. Hello. And miserable Nick Goldstone. Hi. Uh, listen, uh, let's start with alleged racism. City fan concerned has been arrested, he's denied all the charges, clearly totally unacceptable scenes, missiles being thrown, Um, and as I said, alleged racism, City, I think, acted pretty quickly, no room for it in our game, no room for for it at our club, Paul Denby. No,
3: certainly not, and if he's found to be guilty of the uh, accusations, then he should be banned for life, it's not, uh, it's just clear cut, Uh, I'm sure that they can have lip readers that can see what he was saying to the two United players. It doesn't matter who they play for. If there's racism in the crowd, the person needs to be called out and banned for life. End
1: of story. Let's turn our matters to uh, the game itself. And can we start, And however difficult this might be, Steve, uh, do we give credit to the Reds for the way they played against City? Is that a good place to start?
2: Yeah, I think,
1: look, we have become a team
2: that are a little bit easier to cut through than we were previously. We seem to have a a softer spine than we have had in previous seasons. And United are somewhat set up to exploit that. They started off with three pretty fast forwards, and they did a number on us in the first 30 minutes. And to be fair, them leading 2-0 at half-time was not an undeserved situation. So I, I have to give them... Credit for taking advantage, you know, using their um, skills to their advantage and actually doing what they what they can do. And you know, we were poor for that first twenty five thirty minutes.
1: Rashford, Marshall James did a job on us, Nick, didn't they?
0: Yeah, I suppose. I think what was m- most disappointing was that it was extremely unsurprising. Um, it was. A, a, a very much a repeat of, of the kind of game we've seen far more often this year than in the past two seasons, although there have been the occasional ones then as well. Um, and, you know, if you look back at even the... the Well, uh, the, uh, the Liverpool game a few weeks ago was a very similar story. Um, the Wolves game at home was slightly different in that we really were camped out at the edge, on the edge of their penalty area for... 85 minutes, and but still managed to to let them break away and score two goals. But um, you know there was nothing different in what we did um, during the entire game, um, and it was within a very few minutes of the start of the match that that it was highly likely that um, that was going to be the result. I mean, I, I was sat there thinking, well, you know, we, we, we've had a few chances early on, but if we don't score, they certainly are going to.
1: I was going to ask this question later on, but I think it's appropriate, Paul, to ask it now. Arthur Jones on Twitter has said, based on what Nick has just said, our city too predictable. Stretford's performance was straight out of the Wolves' Newcastle playbook. Pack the defence, block the channels, and counter swiftly against a suspect defence. It's kind of what happened,
3: isn't it? Pretty much. It's exactly what happened, as Nick said a few moments ago. It was so predictable. We sat there at the start of the match and said. United will try and soak up as much pressure as they can, but they will hit us on the break. They've got three very fast forwards. And they did it time after time after time in that first 20, 30 minutes. That it was ridiculous that we didn't learn from the fact that they had a couple of shots before they scored, then they got the penalty, then they hit the bar, and we're still letting them score a second goal from virtually the same type of situation again. It's about learning from your mistakes. And clearly, we didn't learn. And I'm a bit surprised we weren't set up to watch out for that or maybe we were and we just didn't execute
1: so set up what would you have done differently then because when you saw the side we played well against Burnley which we'll maybe touch on a bit later uh, and, and there was you know, a few changes from that side and, and people were saying yeah good that's kind of what we should be going for play the same as we did against them and we'll we'll beat these lot easy and it didn't happen that way what what were you expecting to be different then What was I expecting or what might I have
3: done? I'm not a pep, but what I might have done is move Fernandinho into the central midfield position to give a bit more protection there and put a proper... I'm not criticizing Fernandinho's centre-half performance, but put a centre-half in there. Even play Ottomanian Stones, I know he got injured later on, as a centre-back pairing. And because you knew United would hit us on the break, because that's the type of play they're going to do, put Fernandinho and Rodri there in in the central midfield to give the... Back a bit more protection in that sort of game.
1: I mean, I thought Rodri had his best game for City, probably playing for against Burnley. Had a fantastic game, and and so that's maybe why Pep kind of stuck with the But with, he, with he, the he same wasn't, team. wasn't
2: under pressure though. That's the thing against Burnley. He he wasn't the the sorry he wasn't coming into the same situation, whereas against United, we didn't really press that effectively. We weren't winning the ball back, certainly in the first half for that first 20 or 30 minutes, high enough up the pitch, and we weren't putting them under enough pressure to screw up those passes that they got. So they seemed to come through us really, really easily. And I think I I have to agree with Paul, having Rodri and Fernandinho there would have certainly broken up the play a bit more. It might have restricted us a little bit more going forward, but it would have certainly shored up the midfield.
0: Nick? yeah I'd, it's um i i i do think that uh as a team and not individual players but as a team we're not we're not working hard enough during certain parts of the game um and that means that opposition with enough talent are going to be able to exploit that um but it's a little bit unfair just to blame The players, Because I think that it would be wrong not to um, look more closely at how uh, the management are performing and what they are and what they aren't doing in relation to setting us up and thinking about how individual teams are going to play against us. Uh, Because I I really don't see anything diverging away from the message that we play how we play, we win more games than we lose and therefore we're going to keep doing that. Uh, 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 there just isn't, we just don't have any other way of, um, of playing
1: Let me just set this question up then So the Premier League champions The FA Cup holders The Carabao Cup holders The Community Shield holders Who are through to the quarter-finals of the Carabao Cup this year Are through to the Champions League qualifying stages Top of their group With a game in hand you are suggesting what, then, about the management? Are you talking about a change? Are you th- What sort of criticism are you throwing at them? They won back-to-back titles. So, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so, no, so, but, so help us uh, understand where you're going here uh, with
0: this. Absolutely. It's, a, it's very difficult to, um, to understand, and I'm not suggesting that I do, what, what should be being done rather than what is being done. Um, but I think that Pep's game, obviously, enormously successful is one that demands huge levels of concentration and performance and it's it 's a little bit all or nothing in that you either it either works and you 're brilliant and you destroy every opposition or if you're not at one hundred percent you can get picked off um, there's no doubt that last year was incredible uh, and you know you've got to be honest and say that there's probably little doubt that that has had a major impact on what we're doing this year. I wouldn't have been surprised if we hadn't managed to win the title last year, because it was an unbelievable effort to do so and uh, retain it. Having done that a second time, I don't think it's a surprise at all that we're not managing to maintain that level across this year. So that's the first thing. The second thing, I think, is that um, teams have Worked us out. I think they worked us out a little bit last year, and they've obviously had another year now to work us out. Uh, and not not only that, but they they also know that we have lost some players this year. We are we've lost probably our strongest uh, defender, and as a result of that, our strongest midfielder, uh, a defensive midfielder, because he's playing at centre back. He's doing a fantastic job at centre back, I think, um, but we've lost him in the midfield. And therefore, there's even more opportunity to exploit us uh, defensively than there there was before. Um, And if that happens at the same time that we've lost a bit of spark and impetus going forward, um, then inevitably we're going to lose more games than we were last year.
1: Can I just, just press you then on, on the management then? So, so I think we, you, you've documented very well some of the particular issues we have. Uh, they're not exclusive. I think there are others as well which we might come on to. Left-back might well be another area we might want to talk about, for example. But let's just focus for a second, and I'm keen to come back to the other two as well. But if you kick off, Nick, in terms of PEP... What are your views of him? Because our good friend Ray from City Fan TV has kind of asked the question on Twitter, how long has Pep got left? I think you responded with, a, with what looked like me, like a stopwatch or an alarm clock or something. So I'm interested to know what that meant exactly and, and your views particularly on Pep and maybe answering Ray's question directly of how long has Pep got left? What's your view of that before I come to the other two? Well, Bri- I was bi- briefly I, I was you being
0: could. a bit controversial with, what, with my... Uh, terse response but I think what's quite interesting and unusual is that uh, Pep's probably the only person who's going to uh, decide uh, when he goes um, not the club uh, unless things get really 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 bad and we're nowhere near that so he's, he's in a um, he's in a set probably of one in that it's going to be him who decides when he goes and not anybody else
1: Is that fair Steve? Is there no question I mean it, I say there's no question there the odd mumble from the odd city fan who might be sticking their head above the parapet and starting to ask the question i'm i'm only doing my job here i certainly don't think we're in that situation yet but some might be questioning that where do you no, say i
2: i think it appears this year that we're in a bit of a transitional phase we were in a transitional phase when pep first took over and he identified where our weak spots were and he filled them we managed to fill them for two to three years and we had two to three really good years off of off of Pep's management. So I don't think his management is in question. I guess for me, the issues actually stem a little bit further up the club in that it appears that we have not managed to solve things like the extra central defender. If Garcia's good enough, why isn't he playing? Why isn't he playing as a central defender and moving Fernandinho back to the midfield is one question I would have. The other one is we, we bought back Angelino, fine. He doesn't look like the finished product. Mendy hasn't been anything like what we thought we were going to get. So in reality, we're almost back to that first year that we had under Pep where we're suffering at one side of the fullback situation. And for his... Style of football to be effective, we need fast, efficient fullbacks on both sides of the pitch that are able to defend and attack. And at the moment, Only Walker seems to be stepping up to the plate, to be fair. And he, he, you know, of the few players that did have a good game in the first half, he did. If it hadn't been for him, I think we would have been in a worse situation at half-time than we actually were. I
1: I thought he was outstanding. I have to say, Mm. absolutely outstanding. He had a brilliant game. Uh, Not that that helped us particularly. I suppose adding to what Steve said, you could throw in Bernardo Silva's not playing at the level he was. His dad, David, is is similar as well. He's looking leggy and tired. So there are lots of reasons here. but, But the issue for me, and the reason I'm asking it, is because... because people are starting to just mention it, and that is Pep and his future, and do we extend his contract, and all of those things. What's your view, Paul? Pep, for the moment, is untouchable. I agree totally with what the
3: colleagues have just said around here. There's no way he will write when he wants to leave, if he wants to leave, for the time being. How much worse does it need to get? I would suggest considerably worse. We're still third in the league. (laughs) Yes, we're not going to win the league this year. That's almost certain, highly unlikely. But as you said at the beginning, we're still in three cup competitions and made progress in two of them to the latter stages. Uh, Pep needs to sort a few things out. Uh, And as you just touched on then, what's happened to the form of Bernardo Silva, David Silva? David Silva's looking a bit leggy. Why won't he play Foden Uh, on Saturday? It was screaming out when Silva was called David Silva. why won't
1: he play Foden?
3: (laughs) I I think everybody's asking the same question. We've asked this on this programme several times. We know he'll play him in midweek in the Champions League which is a dead rubber, but why won't he bring him on early on the second half, it was screaming out for someone with a bit more energy yep. to try and force the game a bit more. And Foden's got more energy than
1: Silver. David Silver's a hero, but let's be honest, he is past his peak. And, and do you think now we can sort of say, yes, OK, mathematically we might still do it, but it's a massive mountain to climb now. It's very unlikely we'll win the league this year. Is now the time? Let, well, let's say mathematically in the next couple of weeks we, we lose the odd game and, and Liverpool continue. Let's say it's mathematically impossible. Is that the time, as Steve suggested, you know, Garcia plays at centre-back? Foden comes in He just gives them that chance Or or do you think Pep's A bit more bloody minded than that And he's going to stick with what he knows Unfortunately I think he is very bloody minded A lot of managers Very successful
3: managers as well Just stick by what they want to stick with Look at Ferguson or Wenger They stuck with what they wanted to do And they wouldn't bend to the press Or bend to their fans I think he should be giving Foden and Garcia a chance Now the crucial thing is of course We can't slip out of the top four Mm -hmm. So he's got to make sure We stay in the top four uh, it's not a prize, but we know we need to stay there. Uh, and then he's got a challenge in the three-cup competitions. It's as simple as that.
0: Yeah, there's there's nothing wrong with being in a transition period. Uh, that's just what happens. Um, the trick is to use that transition period to come back with something else. And that's going to be either uh, new players or a new... Um, amended adjusted style in which to play to counteract the weaknesses that we've clearly got um or a bit of both um so i think it you know that strengthens the idea that it comes down to whether pep has got the desire and appetite to go through that um, and and come out the other side of it i just wanted to just go back very quickly to Kyle Walker, who I also thought had a had a really good game. The reason I thought he had a good game was because when things weren't working, he used his pace to try and get beat players, get to the byline, and get a ball in. Um, it, it wasn't he wasn't so it was different to the team style of pass, 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 pass a thousand times. It was using physical attributes to try and make a difference rather than the style of play. And that is, I think, what we need to do a bit more of. And that's also why I think we need to be be looking at uh, um, uh, new, different players who've got some of those attributes. And that might also... um, point to the younger guys with energy, with desire, wanting to come in and, and, and actually do that.
1: Steve, if you weren't at the game or even didn't see the game and just looked at the stats, and I've got some of them here, possession, 77% versus 28% in City's favour, obviously. Shots, 22 against 11. Um Corners, 16 to 3. Did I get my percentages right there, well, Stato? 77 plus 28 is 105, so no. Yeah, OK. <laughs> 20, 73 or whatever it is then. 72. 72, 28, I think it was. Yeah, would well, that make more sense? That's up to 100, yeah. so yeah. That's probably 72. Over 70. That's why he's here. I always throw this in just to sort of check he's still listening. 72, 28. Shots, 22 to 11. Corners, and we scored from a corner, but well, never mind. 16, 3. So if you just looked at that, you would have thought, well, one side dominated. But actually they looked far more threatening. They looked more like the team that were likely to score when they went forward against us. In
2: the first half, absolutely they did. In the second half, they didn't really get forward anywhere near as much. Now, I'm not sure whether that's because they were trying to hold on to what they had or we'd actually worked out how to close them down. I think, I have to say, building on what my colleagues have said, the energy seems to be missing when we, we are fine when we have the ball. In the second half, we had the ball. And whilst we weren't doing a great job of necessarily breaking them down, apart from the corner that we scored from that you alluded to, um, we did struggle a little bit to get clear shots on goal. They packed, they packed out the defence. So we do need to find a way, as Nick says, of getting round teams that pack the defence. But... That said, we also need to improve that energy so when we do lose the ball, like we did in the first 20, 25 minutes, that we recover it quicker. Last year and the year before, we were recovering that ball very, very quickly. We were hovering around people like flies till we got the ball back. I don't see that at the moment.
1: What changes would you like to see, Pep? Forget Wednesday night. We know you will play, obviously we have to name a squad so the kids he can yeah. play within the squad. In terms of the league now going forward, what would you like to see, Steve, different in terms of his selection, maybe the way he sets us up? What are you looking for I, from I, would like to see some
2: more energy. And if that means bringing through the youth team players, we should bring through the youth team players. Foden and Garcia have done enough to deserve a place on the bench. They should be on the pitch. I love David Silva. I think he's one of the best players that's ever worn... Well, he probably is the best player that's ever worn a blue shirt. No, he's not, but we'll come back to that. Yeah, you're going to say Colin Bell, I know that. But um, (laughs) At the end of the day, Silva has been one of the best players I've ever seen in a City shirt. I love the guy to bits. But it does seem as though him saying that this is probably going to be his last year in the Premier League is probably gone on maybe one season slightly too long. It's not his mind that's the problem at the moment. It's his energy is perhaps a little bit lacking
1: and some people have criticized Pep for playing him sort of pretty much 90 minutes yeah it's it's because because he
2: trusts I think it's because Pep trusts him so much and he knows that at some point or other he's going to get something good out of him and actually you can see the passes are still there unfortunately at the moment I just don't think the physicality is there even De Bruyne seems to be for me this year he's not recovering the ball quite as much. And I'm wondering whether he's a little bit concerned about possibly getting injured, because De Bruyne used to be one of our best recoverers of the ball that there was, and he used to throw himself into challenges. Unfortunately, that has, uh, from time to time, led to him getting injured, and I'm not sure whether that's perhaps playing on his mind. I I don't know how much of this is actually physical and how much is actually mental, but at the moment, we need 11 players on the pitch that play the style of football that Pep wants, and that's a high-paced passing game, and quick recovery of the ball when we lose it, and that we're not quite adhering to those principles at the moment. So I don't think what Pep's trying to do is wrong. There doesn't seem to be much of a plan B, but we're not really doing plan A particularly well, and Pep has always said, you know, you have to do plan A exceptionally well
1: to succeed. Can I go back to a position I touched on earlier on? I think we've covered the centre-back situation, the fact that we've got Fernandinho now not playing in the role that he's been so effective for us. Uh, can we just talk about left back? Because I think we know the situation. Uh, Mendy clearly has struggled to find the form that uh, he enjoyed when he was at Monaco, and and, and in bursts at City don't think we've ever seen the best Benjamin Mendy. Sinchenko, of course, who kind of got himself in that position, is now injured. Uh, Angelino's been brought back and clearly on the performance at the weekend is well below what we're looking for. It's a problem. In the past, we've had Fabian Delph, who's filled in that position, did a fantastic job for us. Uh, obviously, as we know, Sinchenko actually isn't a left-back either and has done a decent job. Your, your thoughts on that, because that's a problem, isn't it? Never mind centre-back or company's leadership or Laporte's injury. Loads, loads of things, but actually, increasingly, that left-back position is a problem.
3: It, it has been this season, without a doubt, and it has been for probably a couple of seasons on and off, and it's exacerbated by Laporte not being there as well. You know, a left-sided centre-back, who does often cover for the left side when Zinchenko or Angelino or Mendy goes forward... You've got somebody who can read the game, is left-footed, and can do what he needs to do. So I think we are suffering because of the lack of Laporte. But those three left-backs that we've tried are not what you would say would get into... Most of our players would walk into most other Premier Division teams, bar perhaps, okay, Liverpool are an exceptional team at the moment, and a couple of others have got very good players in certain positions. Our left-backs would not get in to the top four, five, six teams at the moment, they might get into a mid-table mid team. So that just shows where they're up to.
1: So is it checkbook time then in January? Is that the only option? Or do you know somebody who we could use in that position, Nick?
0: Left-back? No, uh, no maybe Kevin De Bruyne. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I think that um, you know, Angelino uh, is n- neither one thing nor the other to a certain extent. He's playing his first year in the premiership which is always pretty difficult uh he's not he's not a particularly big guy or a physical guy or a quick guy um he uh, he, he, you know if you look at look at uh at uh benjamin mendy as you know the other the the alternative at the moment he is a physical guy he's got pace he's um he's got strength but He's very, very rarely, if ever given the opportunity to chase balls into space down the wing, which is arguably what you'd want him to be doing and probably if you look back to the to the Monaco game where he contributed to the destroying us a couple of years ago, that's the kind of thing he was doing um and we we just we don't play like that um but uh, you know andrew uh, um, um, I've said it before the fullbacks are a real anathema a real mystery i think un- under pep because really they're only there to play as as, as 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 an attacking uh winger um that's their that's what he really wants I'm uh, a fallback to do. I mean that that that, uh, that 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 United game. Angelino probably had the ball more than anybody else. He was the out ball. He did. He, was he stood had there more, waiting had more for it. Than and United else. clearly <laughs> said, "Right, let him have the ball. He can have it every single time because he's only going to look to a, a little pass inside, and it's not going anywhere." So he's he's. I don't think he's to blame for anything, um, and um, you know. Buying another, you know, in answer to your question. I don't think buying another fullback is going to make the slightest bit of difference to anything.
1: So we just wait. What for? We just have to sort of bide our time. Wait for Zinchenko to come back. Maybe Mendy might play the odd game. Is that what you're suggesting?
0: Well, I think you've got to look at the whole team as a as a unit. I think probably actually Laporte's absence, um, if it, it, it has mostly um, created a. Uh, a lack of a, a distributing defender because he was probably the guy who was peeing the ball around more than anybody else at the back and we've lost that um, i don't think that i don't think that changing our full backs again and let's face it we've got another new one cancillo on the bench who who barely gets a game who's been seemingly a sort of fairly innocuous replacement for um, danilo that hasn't changed anything i mean where do we go next with a fullback i've absolutely no idea
1: we have spent an awful lot of money I, I want to just go to twitter and a few we have had a few questions i'm keen to get those in before we go to a break and, and just sort of throw those out there uh kim from norway uh, a regular uh contributor always asks lots of questions about, thanks for your question kim um injuries are not the big problem it's the lack of having a leader and the guys, he believes, are more tired. I know we've touched on silver. Do you think that there are, Have you seen that? sort the lack of, would you agree with Kim, that there's kind of a... We know about the leadership stuff, which we have talked about before. But pick up on the tired bit. Is that something you've noticed, Paul? Uh,
3: yes, the lack of energy that we talked about a few minutes ago. There are too many players who are not hitting the heights that they did in the last two seasons. I'll name another one who had a very good start to the season but hasn't done the last four or five games. Raheem Sterling. He had a great second half against Liverpool, but other than that, he's just not done what he can do time and time again, or has shown that he can do, and right now he's off form. He didn't get. I don't think he beat uh, Wan-Bissaka once on um, Saturday, or maybe once. But he he, he was second best on most of those
1: tussles that he had. So there's another player that's not in form at the moment. I have to say, and it hurts me to say, I thought Wan-Bissaka was absolutely fantastic. I thought he had a superb game. Apparently, uh, it was his best game he's had. So yeah, yeah, no, he, well, I, and I, he was I good. I don't see much of him, but I have to say, he completely marked Sterling out of the game. And, yeah, and he had just half snuffing. a dozen
0: defenders stood behind him. That yeah. when he did get beaten, and he did a, he did more than once. I have to say. I mean, I thought Sterling was—he seemed to be. If anything, I would—I would call it going through the motions a bit at, at the weekend. You know, he was doing what he's programmed to do, but when he did beat Wan-Bissaka, there were four or five defenders behind behind bissaka waiting to block the ball. That was—that was where he, you know, he didn't get anywhere. Steve, we've been to Norway.
1: We're going to France now, okay. um, and, and our good friend Jonathan Banel, uh, who. Wants us to talk about VAR, and you know we haven't we've got this far into the show without mentioning it. And he said, if it's been consistently applied, we've got at least one of those penalties. And again, you know, I get tired of this. You know my view. Um, Your your thoughts on the VAR and the penalties? VAR
2: is consistently, inconsistently, consistent. Um, and I, I think the problem for me with VAR is when you are asking a person to make an interpretation as what, of what has been seen on the pitch, then you might as well leave that to the referee. If it is a binary situation, such as is this person onside or offside, has this ball crossed the line or not crossed the line, actually, it's perfectly valid because you can see the physical evidence. Unfortunately, you look at... The weekend, you, you could have argued that their penalty wouldn't have been given in most circumstances. You could have equally argued that the Fred penalty could have been given in most. I think there, there are so, some and some. You can, they're so close to the line that they could have fallen either way. I can't. I, I don't think at the weekend there was a clear situation.
1: Three penalty three penalty claims, Stretford got one, we didn't get the other two. So the first one, I, I disagree with Steve, I think, just sitting there watching it, I thought it was a penalty all day long. Yeah. He, and, he,
0: and, well, I, w- I was right at the other side of the ground, um... And I thought it was a penalty before yeah. I, before they even went to VA. Sorry, can
2: I can I just say though the, the only the point I was actually trying to make is not that I didn't think it was a penalty because when I reviewed it I thought it was a penalty. However, I have seen things like that not given oh, okay. similar situation, and that's the All point right. I'm making. It's I, an inconsistency. Yeah. What
1: about the the two handballs then? And your, your view of that not consistent according to our good friend Jonathan.
0: Well, I, I, the the other handball, if you like, I ne- I've not actually seen it back, but the Fred one. Um, actually, at the time, I thought it was very blatant. And again, I was down the other end. But I did think that looked very blatant because he, I, I thought he must have had his arm out and his arm trailing, and therefore he was making himself larger, and it hit him. Um, I watched the replay of it, um, specifically uh, in case we would discuss it uh, tonight. <laughs> and I thought that it was, being brutally honest, I thought it was... It was, it, was, it was a 50-50, and I can understand why they didn't give it, because I do think, actually, he did make the effort to keep his arm pretty pretty close to him. Having But having said that, that could have easily been a penalty.
1: Final word on VAR, Paul?
3: Well, let me just say, I um, agree with what the guy's saying. Theirs was a stonewall penalty. I'm sat behind it. I said, as soon as he went down, that's a penalty. But it's not just VAR. Referees are consistently inconsistent before this season. Those decisions might have gone either way without VAR. I mean, no matter who the referee was, they could have given the penalty to United in the first half or might not have given it. And the handballs by Fred in the first half as well, they might have been given, but it's nothing to do with VAR because the decision could have been given by the referee or not. So people blame VAR all the time. But it's the referees. I'm not blaming the referees either. They're human beings. They'll make mistakes. And the VAR is it's just the way it is.
1: Listen, we'll be back very, very shortly to talk about Burnley briefly, uh, Dinamo on Wednesday, and <laughs> Phil Foden. Uh, and uh, then we go to the mighty Arsenal uh, at 4.30 on Saturday, and we'll discuss all that straight after this.
2: Hello and welcome to Seeing Red, a true crime podcast brought to you by me, Mark and my co-host Bethan. Each week we take a deep dive into the dark world of true crime. Cases have ranged from the murder of Christina Abbotts, a high-class escort who was killed by a sadistic client, to the Peru 2 a pair of young women convicted of smuggling drugs in South America. Whilst always respectful to the victims of these crimes, we do like to tell each story in our own unique style, with humour and lots of f***ing swearing. Join us every Wednesday for a new episode of Seeing Red, a true crime podcast, wherever you get
1: yours. Welcome back. And yes, you're right. I know it's Arsenal on Sunday. I know I'm going. I know which day of the week it is. I said Saturday. All right. Okay. I made a mistake. Uh, Listen, let's talk about Burnley very briefly. It seems such a long time ago now and we've touched on it. Who wants to have a go? Great performance. Rodri was superb. Um, Burnley were pretty piss poor. But uh, we thought, this is it. We're back. City are back. It was all looking so well. It lulled us into a false sense of
3: security because that was our best performance, in my view, of the season. Uh, Over a 90-minute period, yes, we've had patches in games where we've played well. And yeah, okay, you could say Watford when we won 8-0. But over the 90 minutes against Burnley, that was a pretty decent performance. Burnley, in theory, I know they lost then at the weekend 5-0. But in theory, Burnley at Turf Moor, it should not be an easy game to go and win. And we just played very good football. Some of the football in the second half, we're playing... I remember it from a year or so ago a bit more more pace in the game Um, so yeah it was a great performance best performance of the season
2: according to uh, Young Stato yeah I'm not sure I entirely agree with that but it was a good performance I thought that Rodri had an amazing game um and I think all of the players that didn't play particularly brilliantly on Saturday, those that were playing against Burnley, played really well. It was, it was a, The ball was moving fast, we pressurised them, we didn't allow them out, they didn't really try to come out, and we scored and took our opportunities when they were presented.
1: Roger's goal was a peach. Anything to add, Nick? Uh,
0: well, I'm not sure it was our best performance of the season. I thought it was good, it was a good result, it could have been a banana skin... Burnley, in the end, didn't really um, play as aggressively and uh, push us as hard as we, you know, we thought they might do, although there were some pretty nasty tackles going in, as you'd expect from, uh, from them. But at the end of the day, we scored three very, very good goals, and Gabriel Jesus scored some good goals which he's, was um, he's all right, was he? one of those slightly surprising things. He's
1: all right. That um, guy's got a good record, that boy.
0: And uh, yeah, Brazil's number an Brazil's number nine. And, and we all thought, well, why didn't you save that for, uh, for Saturday? Brazil's number nine. Well, exactly. There you go. An experienced international. I mean, I've got to go back to the United game again. The poor bloke got about th- three touches the whole game, uh, two of which were balls banged at him from eight yards out that he, you know, with, where he had half a dozen uh, players around him on the edge of the penalty area. He muffed one good chance with a header in the first half, unfortunately, um, but he really didn't get anything uh, at all. The service, uh, for, service to him was terrible. Well, he, yeah, he barely had a touch, but Tuesday night, Wednesday night, whenever it was Burnley, he scored two fantastic goals.
1: I like him. I like him. Good for you. Yeah, I like him quite a lot. Brazil's number nine, you know.
3: I know, and I like him as well.
1: Good. All right, let's talk about uh, Dinamo. Wednesday, get my days right. It is Wednesday, isn't it, this week? Wednesday, 5.55. In Croatia? Yes. Good, thank God for that. Foden's playing. Excellent. Dead rubber. Play the kids, the kids he can play that he's named in his squad. Come back unscathed. Doesn't matter if we win, lose or draw. The end. Who wants to add anything? Not well. really. I mean, you said it all, except there is,
3: the kids have got to play, there's the junior match early on and the kids have got to get a result out of there to get through to the next phase. So I'm not sure, i am not seen the squad that he's taking for the main match,
1: but the kids have got to get, do something in the earlier game. So who's he going to play, being serious for a second, who, who are the regular squad is he going to be playing? Is it uh, is it going to be a reserve eleven or can you can you think of anybody who you might want to give some game time to? As does, does kind of Gundogan, I don't know. Does well, play Cancelo,
3: you'd have thought Mendy probably. Stones is injured now, so he's got to play. I'd like to see Garcia mm-hmm. and give him a game, but Autumn, to Mendy, I'll, I'll, I'll I guess yeah. you've got to play yeah. him. Yeah. Um, give Fernandinho maybe a rest and <laughs> even Rodri a rest and put, and put Gundogan in there as the defence and Foden and. I don't know if you've got any other players to to put in there. Jesus is going to have to play up front because we've got nobody else. We're not going to play all kids, are we?
1: I guess not. It's the deadest
0: of dead rubbers.
1: Exactly. So let's move on to what's not a dead rubber. Um, A dead team is Arsenal, who are struggling terribly. Uh, As we know, lost their manager. Uh, Don't know where the next result is coming from. Uh, And we go to the library Um, on Sunday. Sunday, everybody. Sunday, 4.30 kick-off, and uh, we've got to bounce back, haven't we, Steve? I think it uh, goes without saying, but uh, any, any danger there? They, 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 Arsenal have got no idea at the moment.
2: No, they've got no idea, but then, to be fair, we, that's the type of game that we could go into and, and be lapsadaisical and not really achieve a result out of it. So we need to focus and switch on, and we do need to get points. I mean, let, let's face it, the Premiership has gone. We know that. It's too too big a mountain to climb now. City will probably win the premiership or could win the premiership. That's Leicester City, not Man City. (laughs) Um, But I think that we we need to go into that game with a clear plan in mind. And I, I think we need to put some wrongs right. I think... You know, there's players that need to step up to the plate and show that we can do it. And Arsenal are there for the taking. To be fair, they they kind of they're struggling a bit, as you quite rightly put out. They they might score the odd goal, but they're defensively they really, they look at sixes and sevens. And Lundberg doesn't look like he's got any more of a clue than uh, Emery had, to be fair. Um, so I, I think we need to get something out of that.
1: Are we in danger of losing Arteta? Is this just something that worries me slightly? I suppose Arsenal legend, and they need somebody, and it's that sort of person who could maybe sort of build their confidence and the sort of signing that they would be looking for is is that something i've heard rumored
0: well there's a clearly a name that's uh connected but um that's the most poisoned of poisoned chalices right now and uh, for someone to go into that job without having any previous uh managerial experience you'd have to be slightly crazy um so who knows um I think Arsenal have got, you know, they're obviously in a fair degree of uh, disarray, but they've got some dangerous attacking players and they will do, no doubt, what every other team wants to do against us, which is they're going to they're sit back, they're going to sit in and they're going to wait and take their chances. And I think for City, uh, we've got to look at our energy levels I think it's a very, very difficult game. I think, realistically, everybody knows that the league is gone. The spark has gone out of the season. It's a fairly tough away game, and we've got to be sensible. We've got to consolidate, and we've got to put in, put in a decent performance. Uh, and whether that's a bit of a backs-against-the-wall-and-grind-something-out type of performance, that would be fine, as far as I'm concerned. Paul, your
1: thoughts about Arsenal on Sunday?
3: I I think the biggest danger for City is if Arsenal appoint a new manager and get the new manager bounce before Sunday. That's the only. I seriously think Arsenal are in such disarray at the moment. I'd be very disappointed if they don't have a new manager and we don't go there and win and win reasonably comfortably. Um, Arteta has also been linked with another of his former clubs at Everton as well. Um, That might be, I hope he doesn't, but that might be a better move for him because there's. Less pressure
1: on him personally than moving to a club like Arsenal who expects success. I suspect Ferguson, if he wins two or three games there and wearing Howard Kendall's sweatband and watch and all that emotion that goes with it, he might well get himself uh, the job there based on two or three games.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the, the most in- interesting aspect to Arteta going, if he was to go, would be what that does to Pep and his. Uh, his intentions over the next couple of years because I'm sure that would make quite a big difference to him to lose his right-hand man and have to to find someone else um, for that role.
1: Anybody going for anything other than a Manchester City win on Sunday at Arsenal?
3: I'll put my neck on the line and say, we'll even keep a clean sheet. Oh, my word. 2-0.
1: You heard it here first. Uh, before we go, a uh, very final question comes from David Gaskell, another one who's regularly with his, uh, with his questions. If you've got a question, by the way, any time, we're on Twitter, as you know, at City Podcast, let us know. But David asks, big turnover of players in the summer? Paul? No. There will be some
3: turnover of players, but not a big. It depends what you mean by big. If it means four or five, no. One, two, three, possibly.
1: And those positions for you are left back Centre back and striker.
3: Well, it depends what happens with Sane as well. Whether he goes, and we need to replace him directly. We need a striker to to be there, and I think we need a left back.
1: Okay, no, no centre back. Yeah, cover. yeah. Sorry, I S- missed sorry. that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah sure. Okay. Uh, big. David's asking big turnover of players in the summer.
2: I think I agree with Stato. It probably will be maybe two or three players, um, dependent upon you know whether the likes of Sane decide. I mean, that is one player we've really missed this season. Mm. Sane's energy, you know, when he's actually on his game, his energy and pace—we've really missed that this year.
1: We have Nick. Finally, from you, anything different?
0: Uh, I could, I could see why we could—you could easily justify uh, a fairly big turnover in uh, the summer for various different reasons. I mean, you know, the definitely needs uh, a different spark and more energy that comes from. New players, but I think just slightly moving off the pitch, um, you know where City are and the 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 business group are, um, you know, The impact on valuation, the financial valuation of the of the business, is enormous if you're not performing on the pitch, and that actually gives more um, justification for spending a lot of money on. Um, Players, because uh, you could spend one hundred uh, million on uh, the, the squad um, and stop the group from losing half a billion um, in value, so there 's a much more justification to spend money, and there 's new investors in uh, the group who will want to see uh, the the group 's biggest asset by far continuing to perform. So, so Paul's gone,
1: Paul and Steve going have gone for maybe two or three. Are you in the four or potentially the four or five category But for the reasons you gave, for those financial reasons?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And also because, you know, there are a fair few players who you could certainly see uh, moving on for one reason or another. And
1: if we've talked about left-back, centre-back, striker, where else would you, you're talking a left-winger for Sane, presuming he's going, and where else then?
0: I could see, Two centre-backs, uh, left winger, yes, uh, st- st- striker, um, another keeper. <laughs> Bring it on.
1: <laughs> Listen, get your checkbook out. We'll be, having a, we'll be having a flag day as well. Listen, a huge thanks to my three guests, to Stato Paul Denby, to Steve Cox, and to Nick Goldstone. This is Nigel Rothband saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all very soon.
0: This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land
3: slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
2: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
1: No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry.